Episode 28 Jackie answered the front doorbell and almost passed out. There, seeing her soon-to-be ex-house for the first time, stood Harry Ricker. She watched him conquer his initial expression of shock, deciding not to mention that the mountains of junk in the living room were partly his fault. Jackie had been given to understand that her family would move into Christmastown early, or at least their stuff would. But Harry had said that the storage facility was still not completed, nor, more importantly, was the dome. Without the dome, life in Christmastown, he had assured her, would be hell. Harry wore a loose-fitting white shirt with the sleeves rolled up, revealing lightly tanned forearms. A gorgeous, smog-enhanced sunset spread out behind him. Jackie had just returned from a two-week swing through the Midwest with Molly. Her suitcase lay open on her bed, and she was still wearing her travel clothes, designer jeans, a little sweaty from sitting for hours on the corporate jet, and a sleeveless top. As luck would have it, she'd just tossed aside the matching blazer, and now she saw, through a discreet rolling of her eyes, a dark half-moon of sweat below each armpit. Harry said, "'I want to take you to Christmastown.' "'Harry, no,' Jackie said, giggling unexpectedly. "'I'm not in any shape to go now. "'Besides, it's off-limits, isn't it?' "'Since ground had been broken, "'access to Christmastown had been strictly controlled. "'A private security force patrolled the perimeter day and night. "'Press and cameras of any kind were strictly prohibited. "'Construction workers were frisked upon entering and leaving each day. "'To prevent industrial espionage pending the erection of the dome, "'the airspace overhead had been designated a no-fly zone.' Not to us it isn't. Come on, it's a beautiful night. A silver BMW convertible was parked in front of the house. The driver's seat was empty. Just you and me? Jackie asked. No chauffeur? Get Kyle to watch Molly for a few hours. He'll do that, won't he? In the driveway, Enrique gathered up his equipment for the night. Kyle, in a paint-splotched T-shirt and cutoffs, squatted beside him, studying a sketch. His newly shaved head, Jackie would never know what had possessed him to do that, reflected the evening. Absolutely. No problem at all. Kyle! Harry drove with confident ease, the way he did everything. He steered lightly with his left hand, his elbow resting on the window sill. His right hand, only inches from Jackie's knee, cupped the floor shifter. He drove fast, overtaking lesser vehicles like semi-trucks and Toyotas, as his sculptured hair mocked the wind's attempts to ravage it. He pushed the car into overdrive, and they crested the mountain pass. What did they talk about on the way to Christmastown? First, Jackie's trip. The shortage of membership applications at the Springfield, Illinois event. The throngs bearing gifts. The hunger to see Molly and to touch her. Jackie feared the throngs less now, thanks to the wall of men. But the wall itself was a shame. I wish we didn't need them in the first place, Jackie said. The wall, I mean. The givers mean no harm. You should trust them. Easy for you to say. You haven't come to any of these events. This was a sore point with Jackie. Not because Harry didn't believe her about the givers, but she could not mention the other reason. All the nights, lying in her vast hotel bed, yearning to hear a discreet but determined knocking at her door. Is that? Yes, there it is. She opens the door to find Harry looking left and right down the hallway. He says, I couldn't stay away. Jackie whispers, We shouldn't, as he slips inside. The givers are not happy, Harry. I thought giving was supposed to make people happy. Jackie, it's time you understood something. Happiness isn't sitting on your ass all day and smiling. It means striving. The givers have a goal, a purpose in life, so powerful it all but devours them. Believe me, that's what every human being wants more than anything. But they're afraid. They think they're going to be left out of Christmastown. Fear is part of growth. Jackie had an idea. The givers feel connected to their purpose, but not to each other. 
There are too many of them to be a community. What if they met in smaller groups, like once a week? They could go to each other's houses and review their statements, have cookies, figure out what they have to do to get into the top giving percentile, or maintain their position if they are already there. That way, they'd be supporting each other, not just trying to beat each other out. We could call them giving groups. Interesting. Make CED even more central to people's lives. Jackie Blue skied. They would mail out a giving group kit to all registered givers. It would include tips on finding other givers in the area. Obviously, the local Carlsmart would be the best bet. Suggestions for festive foodstuffs, available at Carlsmart, that they could serve at meetings, and ways to buck up any givers who mused about quitting. Don't give up on giving, that sort of thing. I don't know where you get your instincts, Harry said, but if you ask me, you're worth a whole roomful of MBAs. Jackie liked that word, instincts. It made her ears lie back. I want giving to be fun for people, Harry. It should be fun. It's all a game in the end. Good Lord, Jackie thought. Was that true? Had the mob in Van Nuys been a fluke? Had she magnified its monstrousness with a prism of her own still unconquered fear? Perhaps givers did not want to devour Molly to quell some deep spiritual hunger. Perhaps, like the rest of America, they just wanted to bask in the glow of fame. To them, Molly was merely another celebrity. Well, what if she was? What if Molly was nothing special at all? Jackie had the sensation of something flying off her into the wind, like a scarf. But she wasn't wearing a scarf. Something she hadn't realized was bothering her, suddenly, briefly, wasn't. But she couldn't bring herself to wonder what she might have lost, or gained, not with her heart and lungs and stomach all screaming for joy as the BMW plunged down the pass into the night. Ricker's hand brushed her knee as he downshifted. Jackie kicked off her sandals and pulled the lever beside her seat. She dropped onto her back and saw the stars. There it is, Jackie. Look. She sat up, reluctantly bringing her seat back up with her. Rocks and scrub flashed by, overexposed in the BMW's headlights. In the distance, mountains bled like ink into the sky. Then Jackie saw it, a fissure of light. The construction crews are working mostly at night now, Harry said. It's too hot during the day. He turned onto a dirt road toward the fissure. At the gate, a guard met them. Harry showed his ID, which the guard scrutinized briefly. He asked for Jackie's driver's license. The guard looked at the license, at Jackie, at the license again. Your hair, he said. It's different. It's an old picture, Jackie said. It was, in fact, an old life. She laughed, recalling that awful DMV photo. Staring eyes, lips pressed as thin as a paper cut, hair like molasses poured over her head. How odd that this portrait of unhappiness remained her official identification. The guard waved them through. Jackie noticed several other guards watching them pass. All were dressed in short-sleeved khaki uniforms and armed with pistols. One cradled a high-powered rifle. It won't always be like this, Harry said. Once the dome is up, the security won't need to be so palpable. They headed downtown. Jackie's first impression was that everything in the town was white, but that was an illusion caused by the huge spotlights blasting every surface, for security purposes, and so the construction crews could see what they were doing. Workers toiled on roofs, behind the wheels of growling vehicles, framed in the crossbeams of unfinished buildings. The noise was tremendous. The car, shaking along with a jackhammer, edged around a road crew. They passed a smooth, pale blue building with a peculiar spire shaped like a rocket ship. Ribbons of red neon wrapped it. At first Jackie thought it was a church, but neon letters on the spire spelled cinema. The architecture of Christmastown is what you might call retrofuturist, Harry shouted over the hammering. It looks both forward and backward. That spire captures the kind of innocent hope the country felt at the dawn of the space age. Space travel meant we could live on other planets. We didn't have to depend on this one. The human race could exist forever. 
we had no limits. Maybe we didn't even have to die.